friends, I'm Fiona Lewis. And I'm Gwen Crabb. And welcome to the Say It How It Is podcast. Connected by Vodafone. We are on a mission to bring taboo topics to light and change the narrative. Being vulnerable can be tough, but we're here to show you that even those at the top of their game, be that sports, coaching, business or medicine, go through the same struggles, problems and issues as you. But just a quick disclaimer, we are not professionals, just two rugby players sharing our own experiences and stories, having open and honest conversations with some amazing guests. If you are affected by any of the topics discussed in the podcast, please do contact a professional. And now, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Say How It Is podcast, (laughs) where today I am Fionn Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I finally get the nice microphone. She's been going on about this flipping microphone for the whole season. Look, it's just so flexible. And now that roles are reversed that this in this episode, she gets my seat. Today She's we sat- are joined by Fionn Lewis, Welsh International, Say How It Is podcast co-host. Thank you so general, much for having me. <laughs> and gen- general all around great person and dog oh lover. Oh God, thank you very also, much Kate, for having me. Would you like to introduce Kate? <laughs> yeah, I'll introduce Kate. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why not it's just weird thanks for having me on my own show I know I know uh, and yeah my um, my best friend Kate joined us today uh, I've known Kate for flip it like 26 mm-hmm. 5, 25 26 years now god it's a life sentence we're old we are old <laughs> yeah um, you are yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we've uh, gone through haven't we we've gone primary school school college, college uh, life, life after yeah <laughs> Um, and yeah, we're still going strong. We are the dolphin and the cow. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, I sent her a meme. But obviously, meme. Kate's the dolphin and you're the cow. The cow yeah. <laughs> I sent her a meme of like um, one was a dolphin. There's a dolphin and a cow, and it said, "What did it say?" Like friends. It said, "When you've when you you've grown up best friends, but you've gone down different paths or something." Um, <laughs> I'm the cow. She's the dolphin. <laughs> And just for context, she's a rugby player. I'm an actor. I'm not just saying that she looks like a cow. Or she does. I'm it myself. No, you don't, though. You're, yeah. you're stunning. Oh, sorry. Okay. So I'm owning it myself. <laughs> like moo, because cow. Right. Oh. Well, so <laughs> this episode is about you. Oh, God. I don't feel a bit nervous. Well, I don't mean Holding to on to this chat. Oh, like... That's what I do. <laughs> um, yeah. Take it away. Take it away. Oh, don't. Hey, you've okay. got it. It's like... You've got this. You've got this. Would you like the tissues? Maybe. <laughs> I don't, I've spoken about this so much today. No, I know. But it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It's, yeah. <sighs> I don't know why I put mascara on. because <laughs> <laughs> you haven't had your lashes done, babe. Oh, I have had my lashes. I'm tampering about it as well. Uh... She does listen to it, but she's oh. so good. She's just always booked up. <laughs> She'll fit you in now. <laughs> yeah, so well, you're meant to be asking me the question. Yeah, but the thing is, for honest, I don't know what to, where oh, to start. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, right, yeah, okay. my story is obviously the title. Yeah. I think, um, well, I feel a duty, really, that created this podcast to obviously have incredible people on not that I'm saying I'm incredible but oh you are no 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 that's not where I'm going with this but I mean like inspiring stories or stories of you know things people have been through to sharing them to help somebody else and like you know we've had people coming on and being really vulnerable and I said to myself when I was planning season one like if it you know it goes the way it goes and I feel brave enough to do so I want to end the season with allowing that to be me too so like I, like I said, I, I'm going to have all these people on being vulnerable, then 
I I feel like I have a duty to to them to be vulnerable as well. So yeah, now it's my turn. Yeah, and I think obviously when you came to me with the with the idea of say it how it is, there's there's a re there's a reason behind you know everyone that knows you knows that that is that is fit onto a tree. <laughs> yeah. like very upfront, very like face value. What you see is what you get. That's come from somewhere. <laughs> For God's sake! I don't like that. I'm far yet. away from you. So I like you. Um, yeah. yeah, it has. Obviously, I spoke a lot on podcasts around um, the reason why I wanted to set the podcast up. Um, speaking out about my endo was a taste of what being vulnerable was beat was like. Speaking out about it, um, I obviously said how worried I was speaking out about that because yes, <laughs> it is scary to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. but it showed me afterwards that okay it's okay you know what I mean um and yeah I've been through a lot growing up that I've protected I suppose um Mm. and been too ashamed to share if you want to jump in Kate (laughs) no I think um... I've got Kate on this episode because obviously we said at the beginning we've been friends out my entire life um and Kate's been the constant yeah, that you can kind of speak to. I feel like we, yeah, we've been through it all. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every single thing from positive to negative, from any... Highs to lows. Yeah, school, yeah. any graduation, <laughs> any boyfriend breakup. Oh my gosh. We've been through it all. Like, I, we literally, I'm joking that we see each other twice a year. I know, it's ridiculous, that. really. But she's the friend that, like, that does not matter. Like, you, at, we have a tradition every Christmas, so it doesn't matter how little we see each other. We make gingerbread heads. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I go to Kate's house every year. Uh, yeah, we make fresh pizza. Your mum yes. makes treats us. Like, it's like we're kids again. Exactly. Mm. Makes us pizza, yeah. fresh pizza, and then we make gingerbread. Well, you were my first sleepover, you know, first concert. We went we to the fi- X Factor, yeah. if you remember. Mm. Yeah, each other's first everything, really. Yeah, literally. Um, um, but I think we were talking before this, and I was saying to you that I think you... This is going to sound really weird, but you are a bit like Hannah Montana in the sense <laughs> of the exactly, words. but you very much got two lives, yeah. which particularly I think around the age of maybe 16, that became something that you kind of had to have to kind of like protect yourself. And yeah, um, yeah. and I think now you feel maybe ready or I think it's something that you need to kind of release because it's a yeah. lot. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, yeah, it's spot on really. I think I've carried this really heavy pressure that I've lived these two lives. I've had, I describe it as an old life and a new life, um, purely because I was so ashamed of my old life that my new life, yeah, I had to, I just had to protect me. And I think that's how I survived is that I didn't want to be the result of someone else's actions. I didn't want my future to be, I didn't want that to define me. So I kind of, like Kate said, I got to an age where I just create this new life and this new, me and um yeah I've carried this pressure of keeping that a secret not yeah like a secret in a sense like don't wrong that people know when people talked I'm, I'm well mm. aware and people ask questions but I've never publicly spoken about it and there's only mm. I probably count on one hand the people I've actually shared my actual story with mm. um it's very private very personal and mm. like I said you mentioned Kate like it's basically being a self-protection thing basically more around being judged and being viewed based on someone else's actions rather than my own um so yeah and i'm at a stage now where i've spoken about a lot which now people listen to this episode will probably resonate with what i'm actually saying when i'm saying that this year has been big for me in regards to acceptance 
learn a lot about myself. I've grown so much. Like my mental strength has really changed. Um, and I'm kind of ready to let go now. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew this day would come. Mm-hmm. I didn't know when the day would come, but. I think you've got to see it as this is a chance for you to control your narrative. And I think you're at a, a place now where you can, you've reached that point and you can kind of share it. And I think we said that like the double life kind of started when you were 16 because um, that's when we both went to college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then when you really got into your kind of rugby and started to build that kind of yeah side. I think, yeah, I, like I said, I knew this day would come. I didn't know when it was going to come and I wanted to be in complete control of how this happened. And I think it's like fate. Like, yeah, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And flipping egg, if, if me getting injured and creating a podcast was this for this reason, I don't know. But I knew, and like, I always wanted this day to come because I knew that people listening to my story could really benefit from and help. I could help someone from me sharing it. But I had to be ready. Yeah. I had to be. I had to be strong enough and I had to be ready for when it was going to happen. And I've I haven't been. Yeah. But now. Oh my god, I'm so ready. I'm so ready to get rid of it. I just want it. I feel like it's gonna be a weight off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're saying, like living this double life of, of ha- every single day, like protecting this so many years of because I was so ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. That like, I every single day there's a question or something that I'd have to not lie about, but like had to guess still protect. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just I'm just ready now that yeah to let go really. Okay, this old life. Mm. Where does it start? Where does it start, kids? Um, Gosh. Um, God, well, that was probably very young. Probably when I was about six or seven, I'd um, say. So, yeah. And we grew up in Armenford. Yes, that's that's yeah. the big thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my old life, yeah, I grew up in Armenford with a different family that I'm living in now. Yeah, come from a pretty broken home. Yeah, I think it's so <laughs> yeah, hard. Kids, I, I know. Keep crying and like, yeah. kids answer my sentences, but <laughs> I think um, yeah, with the broken home, that was something that very much developed over the years, wasn't it? it yeah, was, it got gradually worse over time. Yeah, um, my biological parents, one wasn't around for for a big period of time, and one unfortunately had a, um, an issue with alcohol, which mm. really caused serious issues for me growing up. Mm. Um, issue for me as a kid, like with friendships, with my development, with school. I was so naughty as a kid. Like, I got written off so much because my behaviour was not because I was just naughty. My behaviour was because I was coming to school from something that was broken. Yeah. Um, Growing up then, like, I was getting judged around. Like, I felt I was carrying the shame and facing the consequences of someone else's actions rather than I was just a fucking kid yeah. uh, and school was horrible. I hated it. Mm. I didn't really have any support and back, it's different now where we're in mm. a society in a generation where kids going through those things that would be a lot more supported and protected where I wasn't. Um, Do you feel and, very alone? Yeah, I felt, yeah. And biologically, I'm actually an only child. Um, I don't have any biological siblings. Mm. Um, so mm. my life grew up basically just me looking after myself every day as if I was literally a kid. Like, I'd have to think how I was going to survive the day. Um, and then going to school with everyone speaking about or knowing what I was going through mm. and judging. And like, you know, I'd have friends' parents saying, oh, you can't be friends with Fionn or you can't go to Fionn's house. Can't do this with Fionn because of X, Y and Z. Mm. And like, 
obviously I understand now as an adult why as a parent you do that to protect your child but I was Mm. just a kid and I needed Mm. that support and if anything I was losing it because of what I was going through when I needed it so much um you didn't have stability did you You didn't like you didn't know what you were gonna go back to so yeah 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 like geez when we were kids like we spoke about in the car on the way to the studio where we'd Mm. like you know I'd come home from school as a child on the weekend and I'd be part of my routine would be searching the house for alcohol like mm. we spoke about earlier like me and Kate would lit- not it's not funny yeah, but, but we f- would be like we'd have a routine where we'd go through the wardrobe we'd go through the coat pockets we'd go in the airing cupboard we'd check the washing machine to find bottles and we would find some every single time and like as a child like being nine years old and doing that with your friends like yeah. as if that's the yeah. norm and that was my norm yeah and seeing um, it now you're just like yeah you don't yeah, realise no. um, yeah and it was crazy like like I say, like Kate's been the constant for me, but I lost so many people because mm. people shut me out because of, again, the actions of of adults. Mm. Um, and like, like I said, yeah, I just felt very, very lonely, but I didn't realise that at the time. Um, I didn't realise how lonely I was because well, all I was doing was child. surviving. Yeah. Um, and it's like we were saying about your house, like we saw your house as a place, like it sounds really bad, but we'd call it the bus stop, the place where we could just go and do whatever, no consequences. And as a kid, you think, oh, that's great. But like mm. looking at it now, you needed that kind of like yeah, guidance, that yeah. care. Well, that I had yeah. no one to answer to, like as a kid, I'd no. like, you know, my biological parents would just go away and leave me on my own or they wouldn't be around. So they'd just go and I'd be by myself and I'd ha- I'd go and stay wherever I wanted on weekends. I'd do what I wanted. I'd stay out all the time because I had no one to answer to. And yeah. I just did what I wanted. And I was literally not even a teenager at this stage. Yeah. Um, and like Kate said, yeah, it could be deemed as cool because you got this freedom. But it's mm. not like a but it was, normal quote, Yeah, quote, and it wasn't until later life um, where I realised how not normal that was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's a funny one, really. Like, the only thing I really felt like I had was sport. Um, but even in sport, I kind of got written off because I was just too much effort for people. Um, you know, I did have some coaches, like I can remember one football coach. I used to play for Banks, a team called Banks Feeling. It's very played against team. them. I yeah. Well, and one coach called Gareth, he used to pick me up every training session and every game. He kind of had an idea of what I was going through. And he was someone that was like, I don't care what you're going through. I'm going to be there to support you and pick me up all the time. Mm. But someone like that, I wouldn't be playing football for, mm-hmm. I played football for a long time and mm-hmm. that was my out that was my only safe space so sport for me has been that kind of like safety thing but other than that I literally didn't have anything else mm-hmm. um and like I said like when I was younger all I had to do was try and survive yeah um it's nuts as well because like you said that's yeah like so many people obviously knew but there was where was the help and the support yeah. like it was kind of just like a like I said earlier, like I kind of just got judged for being like, oh, can't be friends with Fionn, can't associate with Fionn. But no one actually thought to ask. No like, one did. Are you okay? No one. Because you're a child. I'm not lying yeah. to you. No one. Yeah. School, I had no one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember one parent's evening, um, except not my biological parents came with me, but someone in my care came to my parents' evening and they were like, you know, going to teachers and the teachers were just hammering me. Mm. And the person that came with me was like, do you understand what she's going through? Like yeah. you're sat here, like ruining this child, like, like completely going at her. But you have no way. Do you actually understand what she's going through? Like, there's a reason that the way she is the way she is. Yeah. Do you understand mm-hmm. what's going on at home? Um, and we were met with silence. Um, it's again, it's so different now where 
I do think that something like a school system is is different and there's, there's so much more support. Um, if I fast forward flipping however many years now and, like, and I am a qualified teacher and I taught in a school, that's, it changed my perspective massively and that's I treated the kids as if I was teaching me yeah. and I gave them so much time in a different way because I knew what what it felt like to have someone like not and that doesn't understand yeah, it gives you a completely different perspective on it i suppose yeah. do you think that that was a big uh motivator in why you wanted to become a teacher um oh, be honest with you you actually funny enough again something you now understand do you remember when you interviewed us all in camp and you asked us what do you want to be when you're older yeah the reason why i don't have an answer is because i've never known because i've never had the time or the capacity to figure out what i want to do yeah, or the guidance i suppose mm-hmm. i've never i've mm-hmm. never like, oh, known you're interested in this maybe do this but I've, you've never I've, had that because i grew up with so much going on all of the time, mm. I never had the time. I didn't have anyone sit me down and be like, oh, what are you interested in? I never had anyone to be like, do you enjoy this? I never even had the capacity to because all I was thinking about was surviving. Yeah. And I had to think about like what these adults were doing yeah, and, yeah. and like looking after all these older people when like, I was a kid. Yeah, you I didn't have to be the adult. Be, yeah. You know, yeah, be, yeah. And I've been an adult since I was like nine years yeah. old. Yeah. Um, and I and I struggled with that in my in my later life, which is what mm. really affected my mental health was because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um I ended up falling into teaching, which I actually love. Yeah. And I think that perspective of knowing why I was doing it was important. Mm. Uh, probably gonna cry now, but mm. there's a when I was teaching oh god, it's poof. Um give me a minute. <laughs> when I left teaching, so got offered a full time contract to be a rugby player. I'd been teaching for five months, but I'd been in this school previously because I did my PGC placement there. So I kind of knew the kids before I'd start my teaching. So I had a decent relationship with them and I really enjoyed my job. And there was a pupil that reminded me so much of myself. Um, you know, not the best behaved and people always used to question me like, oh, why do you give them so much of your time? And I was thinking to myself, it's because that was me. Yeah. And mm. like I understood why they use sport as kind of like an out because it just when you're from a broken home like you find try and find something that provides you a safe space and a safe community and you it like sport gives you that teeny thoughts where it gives you that family, sort of family feeling yeah. where you don't mm. where you don't get at home and then this child you know doesn't come from much but when I was leaving gave me this card mm. and in the card they wrote thank you for never giving up on me and that is you being the person that you needed when you were younger. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go now. Yeah. Um, and that stuck with me to this day. Like, it's nearly been two years since I left the school. And I think about that card every week. I've still got it in my safe box under my bed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that stuck with me because, like you just said, it's something I live by is, and the reason I'm trying to do what I'm doing in this new mm. life is be who you needed when you were younger. And receiving that card from that child was like, that child needs me and that child needs to see that there's hope for anyone. Doesn't matter where you come from or mm. what you're going through. You you know, your upbringing doesn't define you. Yeah. Um, and that's a real motivation for me. Yeah. The quote that I read before the, um, before we start recording is that, don't let your path or your past shouldn't be a cage it should be a springboard mm. i think you're the literal definition of mm. that mm-hmm. yeah i think like i grew up with this fear of my 
Like, I, everyone wrote me off. Like, every fucking bastard broke, broke me off. Like, no one had any faith in me or any confidence, any time for me. I was a kid crying out for love and support and no one had any time for me at all. Mm. And I literally was like, I like I said to myself, I everyone assumes I'm going to be like a nothing, a nobody, not get through school, have no qualifications and just be a be nothing pretty yeah. much. And that's what everyone assumed that I was going to be. So everyone just accepted that. Yeah. So that fueled me to be like, I'm going to be the complete opposite. And when I tell you that has been my fuel every single day, like that's, there's been dark days when everyone's telling me what I'm doing is the wrong thing and people haven't agreed with decisions I've made, but I knew why I was making those decisions and I knew why I was doing it and who I was doing it for. Mm. Um, and every, there's been a reason for, for every decision I've made in my life because I knew that it was coming to, to, to like basically defining my, creating my future rather than defining it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like flipping it, when I look back, like, I was going through the care system and I was had like came out with my GCSEs. I was yeah. had GCSEs like you know I was going with kids the same age as me to school, you know that had different home life in, in the, to me and, and mm. had worse results. And I'm come, stood there like, how on earth have I come out with these with everything that's going on? Like, mm. you know, got through uni, got a stable job, been in a position where I'm not. Yeah, obviously I'm playing for Wales and stuff like. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My old, don't just say. Uh, yeah, I don't, know. Don't just say. It. I'm in a position where you know, like I'm playing for Wales. Yeah, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. I know, I know. But I'm saying it in the sense of like, if you knew my old life and knew how people perceived me, yeah. these people now are like, how on earth? Yeah. And like this new life, people just see me as this normal person mm. from a normal mm. family. Just, and that's exactly how I wanted it to be perceived yeah. because mm. I didn't want anyone to treat me any differently in a negative or positive way yeah. that's why I've never spoken about it because yeah. I just wanted to be normal that's mm. all I wanted to be normal and I didn't want my old life to, to have an effect on that if that makes sense yeah I think it, we've touched on it before but it is that is post-traumatic growth, growth. I can't speak. see post-traumatic growth and all these things They're now really all, all these things sense. I say are relevant and like yeah. Yeah. I said I think I've maybe said to you in the car kit that like I've done interviews in the past with rugby where like I get emotional interviews. I think there's two, one in my school and I did another one with Wales where I got emotional and things I'm saying. Yeah. It's talk, I talk about like, you know, being dropped and stuff, but what I'm actually saying when I'm talking about not being good enough and stuff mm. is actually to do with my life. Yeah. It's my, my, my childhood, my yeah, past. But no one knows that. No one knows that, but I knew that. Mm. So when I'm getting emotional, I know why. Yeah. And like, I didn't, I don't care that these people don't know why, but mm. I know. And, and like, like big milestones like that like obviously getting a professional contract I'm emotional because who on earth would have thought that this kid that's been written off mm. that has that has been chucked through the mill is in, in this kind of yeah. position yeah. But um, I think it goes to show like it does it, it could, I can imagine when you were young you weren't thinking like oh, I'm going to make it as a professional rugby player no I god I wasn't no <laughs> but it goes to show that it it, it genuinely and again, the stuff you say around, like, it's not what happens to you, it's how you react to it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's big. And, and for you to, to say, say this too, I can't even imagine the amount of people that would listen to this that have been through something that is similar mm -hmm. or that feel the same feelings towards like mm -hmm. resentment of a past mm -hmm. or something where they thought that they had uh, a, like a ceiling, like a, a glass ceiling above them that thought, well, I'm never going to be able to achieve anything. Like, this it's a very big thing for you to, to come out and talk about and to say and 
yes, I'm gonna get emotional. I'm not gonna lie, this is the scariest thing I've ever done. Like I, yeah. I, I don't know, I'm fucking been bricking it. Yeah. Like I've spoke with Dale Off psychologist and I've spoke with uh, Drew Povey who's I'm telling you, it's going to be easy guess. He is going to be on that. Um, but, and they've helped me so much to like help storyboard this moment. It's, and big, it's a huge thing. I'm, I'm not lying. This is, I'm, this is the scariest thing I've ever done. Mm. Like I'm 27 mm. and I've protected this part of me for the last 20 years. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a big deal to be like when you've protected a life because you want to be deemed as normal and you, I protected it because I just like, Obviously, we'll get into it late in the episode, but like going into this new life with this new family that I'm in, yeah. I didn't want anyone to think that I wasn't a part of that family. Yeah. Like, I wanted that so much that mm. I was, if I anyone else knew what was going on, that I wasn't actually part of it, then that doesn't, for me, I was like, that, that means it's not real, yeah. you know? So that was a big thing around why I also was so scared of people knowing, because then that would mean that, that this new life that I'm in isn't, isn't real anymore. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is, it is a really big step for me. Like, yeah. I, like I said, this is the biggest and scariest thing I've ever, ever done. But also for me, it's, it's like, I'm trying to give myself like, um, credit to show where the growth of me, because like I said earlier, they knew this day would come. I didn't know when it would happen, but when I, when it did come, then I knew that I'm a different person now. Mm. And like, I just, I'm at this stage where I'm like, you're, you're, you're strong enough. You're brave enough. Mm. And I just feel like this to me, today me shows how far I've come now. Cause it's something I've been so scared to do, but I'm just ready for it now. So mm. hopefully after this, I'm going to feel like 10 stone lighter, but it'll be like a new chapter, hopefully. Yeah. Mm. Um, when, okay, there's lots of questions. Go for it. <laughs> so, so for context, Gwen didn't actually know any of this. Yeah, so, I'm learning just as much as you guys. <laughs> so when did the quote-unquote old life, mm. when did that... I'm going to ask two questions, actually. When do you when do you think that was at its worst? Um, oh my God, it hit me right in the feet. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, you actually sent me a meme yesterday to stop <laughs> saying sorry. So I'm going to not say sorry. Um... Big one, I think, definitely around uh, alcohol where we didn't, Kate was there. We had an episode with uh, yeah. drink driving um, where I had to basically like take the wheel as a child. Um, it was like four of us, yeah. four of us, three, four of us four in the car. Three, yeah. And that was a really dark moment because that was when my friends finally knew that something wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and... I was so embarrassed. Mm. I felt so much shame. We go into the cinema and this happened before the film and then obviously this all happened and then it was kind of like, I still had to spend all these hours with these people. That and pretend to be normal. Yeah. Pretend to be normal. That, that, that was fine, but it wasn't fine because we were all scared mm. as shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then life changed after that because my friends weren't allowed to be friends with me or mm. weren't allowed to come to my house. or And that was, and then people started to find out like, this is what's going on. It was like Chinese whispers and it was really, yeah, that was a really dark place because like I mentioned earlier, I was then carrying the shame and facing the consequences of someone else's actions yeah. and like I said, I needed the support but then I was losing it. How did it feel to feel so out of control as well? And I can now again appreciate how much controlling the way you react to things is so important to you. Um, Yeah, difficult because as a child 
I didn't know why I was good enough for change. Mm. So I'd always get so upset and I'd be like, why can't you change? Because like, why am I good enough for you that you understand that like I'm important? Like you're Mm. affecting my life so much and you're my biological parent. The both Mm. of them, to be fair, not just the one, like they both Mm. like, I said my other one went away from, was not present for a while. Like they both did like did things where like they were in control of and I'd always question like, why am I good enough like you brought me into this world and I'm your responsibility but like I'm still not good enough for you, you to change do you feel a lot of responsibility for what they were doing yeah and I felt yeah. like I had to like you said I had to be the adult mm. and like obviously with one of them having an issue with alcohol like yes now I understand it's an illness but decisions that were made I didn't understand why they why they couldn't why they wouldn't stop making them mm. like there was help available and stuff and they refused to take them and I was literally I think I was like 10 and I've been stood in the in the conservatory being like crying being like why won't you take the help mm. like I need you as my parent to, to get better and to like and mm. to fix it and you won't take it and I just felt like worthless because I was like I like I just felt that I wasn't important and mm. I just like again come back to being lonely I was just a bit like I'm not good enough that's such a mature perspective mm. to have as a 10 year old though as well like yeah. for you to be able to stand there and say to them mm. like what are you doing yeah and that was my life um yeah. and mm. i had to grow up so fast uh and that was a difficult part i, I felt like my childhood was taken away from me really because mm. i had to yeah i'd come home every day not knowing what i was coming home to and having to do my own washing put my f- cook my own food like so i'm so fussy eating because mm-hmm. i didn't have anyone making me dinner like I had to see what was in the freezer and put that in the oven like like it's funny now because everyone's like you're so fucking fussy and I'm like I know I'm fussy but I don't choose to be fussy <laughs> like, was it on the when was it the other day we were in Dubai there was oh, when was it someone was saying oh you're fussy was it the woman on the was it the, oh the, yes it was the, the woman yeah no no we were in uh, the airport in the airport and she was like Hard I Rock asked Cafe. for everything not in so can I please get the nachos but can I not get <laughs> oh have you got any allergies no oh so you're just fussy yes <laughs> that's true like I used to literally live mm. off like chips and chicken yeah. nuggets and like it was until this new life and I was in this new family mm. where I knew what fresh food was like fresh mm. I didn't like chicken breast yeah. like I didn't like vegetables like, I didn't like anything yeah. and that you know I was like a teenager at this point where you're already in habit so yeah. like yeah it was just it was just like, I just didn't know a different life that was mm. just my life mm. you know um and I just felt very abandoned. I felt very alone. Like, and it's why I'm so, I view my friends so differently now. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe this podcast is maybe understanding for them too. Like I, like friends have been my family because friends for me have been the family that I haven't had. And when mm-hmm. I haven't had anyone, my friends have been the ones that have been there. Like mm-hmm. the, the nights and days I spent in Kate's house, like a mother basically like helped bring me up. Yeah. Like I've been in everyone else's houses. Like, I spent my life every weekend staying in someone else's house because mm. I needed, that was the safe space. My yeah. own home wasn't that. So I suppose transitioning to the new life that I was in was difficult because I was so used to running yeah. as my mum yeah. now tells me, you're, you were a runner, but running was how I could survive, you know? Yeah. Mm. Okay, so how, talk talk to us about then the transition between old life to new life, that transition period. 
Um, like you just touched on, must have been extremely difficult in itself. Well, talking about being mature, <laughs> I actually left myself. So yeah. I think, was I 10? Yes, I think, I think it was yeah. 10. Pack my own bags. I'm packing my bags. Pack my bags. Now I'm leaving. You ain't going to see this place again. Um, I packed my bags and I was like, I'm leaving. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I literally, I think, yeah. I, was I actually totally can't 10. get my head around a 10 year old doing yeah. that. I was like, I'm not doing this. I packed my bags. I moved uh, out to an aunt, my auntie's house that uh, we were close with and I moved in there. Uh, she obviously understood what was going on. So she was open to it and I was in the spare room, put my back, you know, put my all this stuff in the drawers. Went to school the next day as normal. Yeah. Uh, came home from school to my auntie's house and she was like, they've been. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do you mean? Your stuff's gone. I was like, what? Yeah, your stuff's gone. They've been, they've taken your stuff. I was like, oh my God, I feel trapped. Yeah. Like I'm a child, like moving myself out. Trying to get yourself and you're into taking a me back. Yeah. And like, yeah. And I took it into my own hands and, and yeah, I just felt like it was like a bungee Pull, like yeah. rope like pulling me like back in you think that you've got that you think yeah. you're away and then they're just pulling you back but in it mm. came to a point then like social services got involved and in the end they did move me out and i did end up living permanently in that auntie's house uh my biological parents still together and still living in the original home but i was in a different home mm-hmm. uh and then um as time was going on um i was like i still everywhere still running but i was then like between two different family homes I was in like a different my actual my actual parents now are actually mm-hmm. my biological auntie and uncle yeah. uh, and they were kind of co-parenting me with my other aunties so I was basically between two aunties yeah. at this mm-hmm. point um, mm-hmm. and then I was at an age then that the Kate mentioned we went to co- I went to college uh, and it was just that's when my new life started to be because mm-hmm. like, when I moved in with my new auntie and my first auntie sorry everyone knew I was still an yeah. old life for me because mm-hmm. everybody knew I was still in the same area yeah. everyone knew what was going on I was still in school I was still going through it all and then when I went, moved to Slurfy, well, I was going to college. I was between the two. I was meeting so many new friends and I was start. fresh start. Mm. And then like, it just made more sense to me to be permanently there. Yeah. Uh, and then like I said, like I was still involved with social services and stuff. Like I had a social worker that was come to see me all the time and it was just made, it made sense to them. To, and it, it, well, basically if my, who I refer to my parents now, as my parents now, if they didn't take me in, I would have been gone to care. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, it just ended up where when they did their, um, like, you know, when they do all the home yeah. checks and stuff, it wasn't suitable for me uh, in the first home. So mm-hmm. the social services put to my parents now, if you don't take her in, she's going to go into care. Yeah. So not that it was like they didn't want to. They no. did anyway because they were doing everything for me that they needed to. But yeah. like, it was, that, it was that, well, it was that decision where, look, you either take her in or mm. we've got to put her into the care system. Yeah. So mm. they did, they took me in permanently. Uh, yeah, they became a legal, legal guardians and, and I stayed there when I was in college. Um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Yeah. Like everything I needed as a child, they gave me everything I needed as a child to, to live. Pretty yeah. much. And it's crazy. That was, and that was the worst part for me, believe it or not. Mm. Like they saved me in the sense of, gave me this life but it ruined me because I realised how you'd come from yeah Yeah. I realised like how much I'd missed out on and what I'd missed out on and what wasn't normal to what is Mm. um and like it re-sculpted me as a person so like the reason why I am this savage motherfucker Sarah is because that's what my (laughs) mum is like yeah she's brutal yeah like she's no filter like she tells you straight and that 
was awful for me at the beginning because I wasn't used to anyone that anyone saying anything. Yeah. No, no saying yeah. anything. I had no one to tell me what time to come home. At coming home at all, actually. Mm, yeah. Like I'd go when I was living in Fairley, I'd do what I want. I'd go and stay in places and my mum be like, Wait, when time you're home? And I'm like, I'm not coming home. She's like, yeah. What? Yeah. My mum's strict, like yeah. she's got three boys, all older. Um, you know, she has to be strict. Yeah. Um she'd be like, You're coming home? And I'm like, No, I'm not. And she'd be like, I will drive on Flatley and come find you. You're coming we'll home. You. <laughs> and she would just shout at me. She'd be like, what are you doing? We don't do this in this family. Like, yeah. and I just didn't understand. I didn't understand. I could would, not would communicate. They, would they understand at all around like, this is really different to what she's used to? Or was it just like a jump straight in new life? Um, a bit of both. Because yeah. they, they, to be honest with you, they, I spent a lot of time with them growing up anyway because they yeah. always looked after me a lot. Mm. Like you, sp- mm. even before any of this, you'd stay, you'd care, you'd stayed a lot yeah. there, aren't you? Yeah. Like I, they were a massive part of my life anyway. Yeah. So they knew me. They knew yeah. where I'd come from. They knew everything. So it wasn't like they had no idea. No. But it was a point where like she, my mum so cutthroat that she's like, I don't care. Like you're living in this house. This is the rules. Yeah. This is this is the respect you need to be showing us. And. I completely, I love that. Like, mm. I could get it and I needed that discipline. Yeah. Mm. Um, Do you but, think that allowed you to, to be like, right, okay, this has happened? No. No? Okay. I It turned me the other way. Wow. Okay. I I was, oh, I struggled with my mental health so much. Yeah. I felt like these two people loved me so much mm. that, and they did, like I said, they did everything for me that I needed as a child bought me clothes, put yeah. a roof over my head, fresh food on the table, no, fresh mm. food on the food. table. Yeah. Yeah. They, do you know what's mental is they would take me, they would pick me up and take me to college. They would pick me up and take me to my games. Like yeah. never had that before. Yeah. I had to rely on mm. somebody else to take me. Like, and it sounds so stupid, but I would be like amazed. I'd be like, yeah. can you come pick me up? And they'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, oh, well, so you're not used to it. Not used to it. Um, like miss the bus. And they'd be like, oh, I'll take you in. It's mental. Something's, yeah needed my boots broke all right we'll go get you like it sounds so stupid but i just wasn't used to that level of care um and i just couldn't communicate properly i was such an angry child like we were speaking in the car like on my old house like my door frame and my bedroom used to hang off because i used to be so angry i'd slam the door so hard that i'd wrecked keep wrecking the door frame used to hang off didn't it yeah yeah. um that when i moved like i said i couldn't communicate properly um but like they were making you a priority and almost in a way that was so painful because that's what you needed yeah. to do oh, with this your... is normal. Like, yeah. And then it makes you almost realise yeah. the lack thereof that you yeah. had before. That's yeah. what spiralled my mental health. Like, yeah. That's gosh, really interesting, you know, how mm. how you, I think maybe a lot of people would assume in that scenario that your You'd mental be health would that. be worse mm. pre-new yeah. life. But I was fine pre-life. I was but fine But it's all you because, ever knew. Like, yeah. genuinely, as, mm-hmm. as a child, that is the time in your life where you get, where you get to learn yeah. what your normal is. Where you yeah. just, you, you're so, like your brain is so plastic. It's getting moulded mm. and that had been moulded into your normal. So it's essentially like f- completely flipping your life upside down. Yeah. And then like... I think that was when I started realising what actually happened. So mm. when I was in this new life, in this new home, in this new safe environment, that's when my brain started thinking. And yeah, I had some really, really dark periods in my life where I was so depressed. Like, mm. and I know we mentioned it briefly on episode three when I was yeah. like, oh, I've had a that was mental the first health blip. Yeah, and I was like, too. when I said it, I was like, oh my God, I've just said this and no one actually has any idea that yeah. I struggle with my mental health. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I was suicidal. I was literally uh, on medication, like to a point I was like self-harming. I literally was like, 
I'd written my suicide note. I'd pick my funeral song. Like mm. I was ready to go. Mm. Um, I just, cause I didn't see a way out. And even though I was in a safe space, that's when I started grieving for this last mm. eight years that just happened to me as a child. And like I said, I just didn't see a way out. Um, so I, the last thing that you would have imagined is being where you are now. Yeah. And yeah. like my, um, I felt what I was struggling with was even though I was in this family, I felt so not in the family. Like mm. I wanted them to be my biological parents so much that I, I was wishing for something that was never going to be able mm. to happen. Rather than mm. just being like, it is what it, it is. It is what it is, yeah. yeah. And like, I, I could struggle with like mem- talking about memories or like family photos. Like my mom would post a photo on, on Instagram of the boys and I wouldn't be obviously mm. in it. But, and that would trigger me. That mm. would upset me so much because like, it is what it is. Like, you know, obviously this younger photos of them but I would take it personally mm. and be like oh I'm not I wasn't even born when some of these photos were being yeah, taken but like but you were just like I'm not yeah, there yeah. I'm not part of the family like it mm. felt like they were all in the house the door locked and I was stood on the door mat outside wow. like that's how it constantly felt and I was my own worst enemy in that sense because like I said they did everything for me that they needed to, to for me to, and, but I was so ill I was so in my own head because mm. now that I was safe everything started bubbling you know um, yeah. If you think almost, was, oh sorry, go on. No, you go. I was gonna say it's like you were in fight mode constantly, mm. so you never had a chance to actually sit with those feelings. Exactly, it's like yeah. it was fight or flight, and you were constantly fighting. So the adrenaline was keeping you going, mm. and it's only when you actually had a chance to settle. And if you think how many years worth of things, then were you, yeah. how do you process that? Because it's like you're still a child, a teenager as well. So you're not even in like now we're in a mature brain that you can process that. Like how. Mm. yeah like i was gonna say a similar thing like not if you've just been on for mm. so long and having to survive and survive like mm. that's that's literally yeah. survival is the only thought it's not until you actually are safe and then you're not having to think about right where when am i gonna eat like what yeah. you know what am i gonna have to do then you actually have like you're saying you have the time and the space mm. to be like hang on a minute that and also you also see the other side of it and you're like this is what normality is yeah and i just felt like what a big thing for me was when i was younger i was like why is it just me like why is no one else this i'm the only one like i'm the weird one like i like no one else has got this life like me why is it just me and like when i was then going into this new life in like when i was in college and stuff and like you know like like people's parents come to the games and whatever and i was Mm. a bit like a bit overwhelmed because i was a bit like oh this is what normal life should be like and Mm. I don't have that and it was a bit Mm. it was hard because I just felt so lonely and so alone and I was like is this what life's like gonna be like for me now where Mm. it's just me um yes it was really difficult and and like I said my mental health was through that college period was awful Mm. I dropped out of my first year of uni because I was literally so severely depressed like again it was I went to uni um and everyone I was you know I was friends like Jazz Joyce, Ellie Norkett, like Meg Daly, the girls like that come from really family-oriented places. That are people, they, you'd go home on the weekend to see their parents or they'd come up to watch them. And and I was just on my own. Like, mm. when I went to uni, like, my parents were just like, I think they felt like, oh, I'll just leave her go and blossom by her. Like, to give her the space to go, you know? I don't, like, nothing, no malice in it, but I was so alone. Yeah. I was so mm. alone. Like, they set, I was playing rugby at the time when I needed to move in, so they set my whole room up made my room nice things on the wall like they did everything to set yeah. me up for uni but when I was there I felt so lonely that it was again it was a trigger like mm. I was surrounded by everybody else that had it family felt like when, you, when you were young when I was young and it was a trigger mm. for me again that it has sent me into a hole 
and I dropped out in the end because I was like, I my life was like on 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 the line. Yeah, and uh, I moved back home, and yeah, I was just in a really really neg like really negative, dangerous place. How did you get out of that? Rugby. Yeah, I um, remember now episode three mm-hmm. saying about how. I think you touched on rugby that you were on medication and rugby became yeah. your medicine. So I had a social worker when I was in college because obviously social services were having to review us every month to check that I was in it, you know, I was all right and where I was living was safe. Um, I can remember I was really in the worst stage of my mental health and she was asking me, I was sat on the sofa, my mum was with her and she was asking me, um, how are you feeling? Like, are you uh, like, how are you feeling? And I, I was honest. I was like, I'm very emotional. I was like, I'm not in a good place and stuff. I'm having dark thoughts and whatever. And she asked me like, are you thinking of, of taking your own life? And I was like, yeah, I like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I think that was a really scary thing for my mom. She was a bit like, we knew she was struggling, but we didn't think she was struggling that, mm. that much. Yeah. Uh, but actually the next day was my under 18s regional final. And I, and I, you know, it's crazy when you think about it, like, you know, the day before I'm talking about how I want to take my own life and I'm speaking about how, str- how much I'm struggling and the next day I've just turned up to play rugby like I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, but that was the best part because that was like, say, t- that was what was like plugging me out of the hole. So mm-hmm. rugby was like, for me, was the safe space I needed, was the thing that provided me with the family that I didn't have, like the friends, the community that I didn't have. And like, it just made me feel like it was me, like this new life nobody knew really about what I was going through what happened so everyone was judging me based off what I was presenting and that's exactly what I wanted I didn't want any sympathy or any negative treatment based on what I was going through like oh she's a risk we can't have her because Mm. she's a risk or Mm. pity we'll we'll include her because she's going through I didn't want any of that I wanted to be there because I deserved to be there based off what I was how I was performing and what my attitude was Mm. um so I just kind of just went all into rugby and it just kept like um, getting better and better I was doing more like I was getting into age good stuff and it just was like a, the drug for me like mm. yeah I was on medication but I got to a point I was doing so much rugby that I didn't really feel like I needed it yeah. Um, I, I was close to one of the girls that lived up the road and I was staying over her house and I was like fuck I forgot my medication ball so I had to run home and my my, my mum was like what's the matter and I was like oh I forgot my meds and I'm, you know, I'm staying up, up the road and I'll take my meds but I said, but you know what? I don't think I'm going to take them anymore. And she was like, what? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I I just don't feel like I really need them anymore. And she was like, okay, all right. And then we discussed, okay, but maybe we just start weaning off them. Yeah. Um, rather than going cold turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. I started weaning off them and in the end I didn't need them anymore because rugby became my drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I get, I'm so attached to the sport now. And like, like I said, when I did, um, interviews not long ago about getting emotional but why rugby is so important is because it literally saved my life mm. wow mm. that's very powerful mm. i want to come and give you a <laughs> it was just there for me when nobody no else, else was. was um and i could turn up and be me and i could turn up and i could leave everything that was happening at the side of the field and mm. I, i'd always feel so much better after it Mm. Well, the best, th- biggest thing for me was that I was just being judged for me, yeah. and I was being accepted for me, mm. and and I could be so passionate about something I cared so much about, and I was there because of my ability, not because of mm. what I'd been through or whatever. Like, and like I said to you 
well not yeah like when I say it saved my life it did because if I didn't have rugby in that time I probably mm. wouldn't be here anymore mm. so so I get so emotional about like well funny enough I did um leading up to the Commonwealth Games we went to Australia and one of the coaches did a speech about what we had to bring to the shirt presentation about what's our why um and I spent hours writing my why everyone you know people said like my mom or my whatever and I gave this speech I couldn't even read it mm. Philip Atatia um was sat next to me and she had to read my why for me because I was so emotional because my why is is in my why is because yeah rugby is my why pretty much yeah. because mm. That's what got me so out of you're here. Yeah, mm. yeah, very much. How did it feel then coming out of that? So you know that you'd weaned off your medication mm. and you're in a better place than you've been ever. I assume mm. at that point, is that correct? Uh, yeah. Well, I was in college. Um, like, gosh, college was the best thing that ever happened to me because, like I said, I was it's new life, new friends me just be presenting as me mm. being treated as me normal girl from a normal family like exactly mm. how I wanted but mm. my mental health was so bad that like like the lectures in college are amazing like Math uh, Williams and Kath Roberts like they deserve every shout out that they because like I'd be crying in their office for hours mm. and hours and hours Um, but yeah after that yeah I kind of felt like yeah okay I'm in a good place like mm-hmm. you know I have down days and stuff but I was kind of just trying to put it to the back of my mind and being fine it was just when I went to uni then that happened all over again things. yeah it was like a trigger mm-hmm. like at what point then at, at uni when when did that you start to see like the light at the end of the tunnel then I didn't you didn't I let I, I think I was there until like the January or February and I left because I was struggling so much um and then obviously you you ended up going back to uni yeah what so, was the the story about that so i even though i quit uni i dropped out i actually kept my uni house in cardiff mm-hmm. um i can remember my dad being like right you need to come home now you know you're not very well come home uh, you know we look after you at home it's silly if you go back to cardiff and i was like no i'm not doing it and like i had many arguments with my parents about it because they were like it's stupid but they didn't, obviously now it's different, but back then I can understand what they thought it was. But I knew why I needed to stay in Cardiff. Like, I just wanted to find myself. I wanted mm-hmm. to become independent. I didn't want to rely on on these people looking after me to, like, keep protecting me all the time now. Like, I needed to grow. Mm-hmm. I needed to find out who I was and what I wanted to do. You know, I was at an age where I literally didn't have a clue. All these mm-hmm. girls had, had ideas of of what they wanted their future to look like, and I didn't have an absolute Scooby. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Like I worked in a gym. Uh, one point, then I was going to be a nurse. I was doing like care and stuff because I wanted. I was going to go to uni to be a nurse. I turned no up. No offense, Fee, but I can't imagine it was a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> my mum said that same thing. But I was trying to figure. I was trying to figure out all my personality. Like I'm really caring and stuff. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll try True. that. Like I didn't have a clue, so I was like, turned up to my uni nurse uh, interview, and I, I and I drove home. I didn't even do. It. I stood at the door, and I was like, nah, this isn't right. Um, I actually got offered two scholarships to go to America to play rugby. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I didn't have any money behind me though. So that's mm. the only reason why I didn't mm. go. Like I come from nothing. So mm. I was like, I have mm. no money. And I, even though I got offered a scholarship, I'd still need money to yeah. to mm. live. And I didn't have that. So we figured out that, that obviously wasn't possible. So then in the end, I was like, right, well, what do I do now? Mm. Like, and I didn't, the only option for me, I thought was the only solution was to go back to uni. Yeah. Mm. And in the end, obviously it worked out well because after that, then I did my PGC and became a teacher, mm-hmm. which I'm really, really, really goddamn proud of. Yeah. Um. But 
I just, yeah, I did really didn't know what to do because I never had the time mm. to think about it, really. Yeah. Mm. What do you think if there were, okay, this is a big question. What do you think if there's one thing? And I think for a lot of people, they would ask you this question, say, what are you most proud of in your rugby career? But mm. that's not, let's park the rugby career bit. Mm. What are you most proud of? Surviving. Yeah. I'm proud of you for that, that's mm. That's but that's so important for people to hear because I think a lot of people, you, you speak about what are you proud of? People instantly go to their achievements. Someone mm. went like, uh, I got a first in uni or I got, I won this mm. cross country race when I was, <laughs> yeah. you know, eight years old or whatever. But that is something you should be unbelievably proud and like, of. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm so proud of my achievements mm. in the sense of, and I'm not proud because oh, I graduated. I'm proud because no one thought I was going to. Yeah. I'm proud for doing a postgraduate because no one thought I was mm-hmm. capable of doing it. I'm proud of playing for Wales because no one thought that I yeah. could do it. And that's the different side of the appreciation is because I care so much and I'm so proud of these things because I was so written off yeah. and no one thought this was going to be my future. Yeah. And like I spoke earlier, that's been my fuel yeah. because yeah. I've achieved these things off my own back. Like mm. the reason I stayed in Cardiff was because I wanted to do it by myself. Yeah. I didn't want to like, I wanted to look back on it, which I'm doing now and reflect and just be like, you did this all on your own. Mm-hmm. Like I moved to Cardiff and I made decisions what's best for me. Like I did my degree by myself, my postgraduate by myself. I was going to put the hard work in to achieve my rugby. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, my parents now as a, gave me the platform as a child to, mm-hmm. to do this, but I made the decisions for the life that I wanted. Yeah. And I think I could have easily back, you know, when I was really struggling, like I, I wanted to go, I wanted to take my life and I could have made the decision to do so, but I chose not to. What was it in, in that, like in that moment, what was it that, that made you not want to? I think it was because of the life that I knew I deserved to live. That's <laughs> no, that's very powerful. Like I knew that I was suffering because of somebody else, mm. and I knew I didn't deserve that. Like I was going through hell because of other people's actions. Mm. I was like, this isn't fair. Mm. Like I don't like. I'm just a child. I'm just a kid. Like mm. why do I deserve this suffering all the time? Like they're not suffering. They're mm. fine. They're living literally. They have this happy, lovely mm. life, and I'm the one that's going through it all of the time. Mm. Um, and I just kept telling myself, "You're better than this." Like I just had this. It's really strange feeling, and I'm being really honest. I just had this burning sensation inside me where I knew I was capable of something. Yeah. Like I, it's really difficult to explain. Mm. Like I just knew I was good, going to be good enough, mm. and I knew that. Like when I spoke about self-belief a lot throughout this season like that's why yeah like mm. when i've had so many years where i'm the only one that believed in myself mm. uh and that that is why like i kept telling myself in darker days like come on like you mm. know you believe that you, you've got you've got a future that that you're going to be proud of you just have to keep going like you have to mm. keep you have to like keep believing in yourself and like i said like i really struggled with self-harm for a lot of the time and when I talk about these two lives, I was even making decisions of, of where I was doing this self-harm because I didn't want people to know. Yeah. So I was even making decisions on this protection mode of like, mm. I'm not going to do it on my arm because yeah. someone's going to know I'm doing it. Yeah. So I do it in places where it would never be seen. Like yeah. I was making decisions all the time of self-protection yeah. and and like I was making decisions based on how best to survive, which also I knew in time was going to build myself up to the suit I'm living now. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's where the hard exterior comes from yes this is why i am am, yeah yeah like and it's really interesting because you know until potentially this episode comes out 
Mm. A lot of the people in your life, be that through rugby, whatever, wouldn't know this about you. And if, you know, some, you know, once upon a time, I was scared of Fionn as well. But, um, <laughs> I get that you know, like when, But, you know, when you meet you, if, if you're like, say it out to someone, mm. someone could be like, well, all right then. Mm. But no one knows, no one knows why. And I think the biggest lesson from something like that is to, is to actually not react to things for the way you see them because you don't know. You, don't, you don't know. Don't judge a book by its cover. That's exactly it, right? And, and that's been my entire life though. That has yeah. been my life where like, I've been so judged. And, yeah, and I think this, this is a big thing for me by speaking out about it is other people's understanding. Like I've never told any rugby coaches mm, what I've yeah. been through because I didn't want the different treatment. Yeah. Either side, positive mm. or negative, didn't want it. Yeah. But I've learned now at this stage now where I'm like, okay, they need to understand me more. Like yeah. me telling them this will have better understanding of why. Why shape you? the way you are. Yes, yeah. it is. And it's why you shape my morals. It shape my values. Like I'm so, yes, I'm very honest because that's how I've had to be. I've got yeah. no bullshit policy because I've been, I've met so many assholes my entire mm. life where like I've had to, yeah, I've had to be the self-protective mode. And like, mm. I don't have time for like, I'm honest because that's the only way I've learned. There's the only way I've known how to live. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's kind of a marmite thing. You either like it, you don't. But unfortunately, that is how I've had to survive. But I do also think people understanding the why behind it is yeah. a big thing in that as well. Yeah, and there's no bad intention from it. No. I just, I just don't, I just, I just don't like the bullshit. Really, I, I actually really enjoy <laughs> the way you just tell it. Oh, you're very upfront with me. I like, am glad you've had some tough truths on your. Oh, I've always yeah. been like that. Like I think you're so authentic. You even though you we say oh you've lived two lives and things, you have always managed to stay so kind of like authentic and genuine yeah. as you're well. The same person, you are, yeah. You know, even you, when you I know think what you're getting you. with me. I hope, and oh, I think yes. like I know, like I said, you just said like I'm live live two lives, but I hope that yeah what I still present is, is is what you get from me. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. how I want it to be like. Um, so but I think for you, like what, obviously for you, Kate, you've been here my entire life. Mm. Um, yeah, what, what, like, I'm sure you assumed that <laughs> my life now wasn't going to be the life that we, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a funny one because whenever I speak to you, like to people about you, like they're always like oh she's doing really well you know with with everything like yeah, do you know what I mean know. They, like we literally just said but I don't think I ever actually thought that you were going to go down like I think I've always felt how you said that you were mm. always so kind of strong-willed and determined you always gave off that energy that you were not going to be beaten down by anything mm. so I never think that I thought that you were not gonna make anything of yourself or like I not in that I knew where you were gonna end up but I never and it's so hard like now thinking about it because like obviously we were we were children and we were you know you you were going through this thing and I was around but I don't think I realized till we speak about it now how like how big and how how much of an effect it had on you because you just handled things so amazingly for that age and you just yeah it's it's so yeah it's so wild to talk like to think about it now because you never it's just about not that you weren't like vulnerable but like you never showed it yeah but not about it like you never let any I don't know I, it's really hard to explain you never did I just get on with it is that what you're trying to say in a way but yeah but like there was such like a strength and like a yeah 
a strength there that was like really amazing and it's only now when I think about it at the age you were that you just took out on everything that is so inspiring it's funny because it's funny when I hear someone asking me what how they perceive me mm-hmm. like it's crazy because I don't feel like I was like acting strong and acting mm-hmm. in a way that it's I was like you were in it yeah and it's it. and it's really like um I well funny enough I Dale he gets a lot of shows and I actually well. told him today you need to start listening to the podcast because oh, you actually no. get mentioned on every other one <laughs> um, but I was speaking to him about it and I was like oh you know we were speaking about why I haven't told people things I don't want to be deemed as weak or a risk or blah 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 and he was like have you ever thought that people look at you and probably like actually you're actually really strong I've got yeah, respect right. for what you've been through and stuff and mm-hmm. I was like no no I don't feel yeah. like that and it's like funny when like Kate's saying I'm like but I think when you own the only way you know is to survive you just get on with it yeah and i think yeah. that's why my mindset is the way it is now with like life in general is that like when you've been through so much trauma mm. you just you kind of know how to cope with things or you know your coping mechanisms or you know oh it's not the end of the world this is there's gonna be mm. you're gonna be able to get out of it you know mm-hmm. um it's funny so i did ask him if i could mention this before <laughs> but when i met my boyfriend jack i've been with him five years now and met in Dubai and he was giving me this drunken chat on the stairs about like mm-hmm. his family life and like his parents are divorced and he, mm-hmm. they've got children in separate marriages and he was really embarrassed to tell me about it because was a bit like he didn't know he's like oh she might judge me because you know yeah. they split up and they've they got I got different brothers and sisters and stuff and and I, it sounds so rude and please don't judge me for this because at the time I had a beer at this point but he was telling me now he was like oh I'm you know I'm, I'm worried to tell you and stuff and I was like I looked at him in sight in, in like a pause and I was like is that it? (laughs) And he was like, what? And I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I expected like a big speech or what? But obviously it sounds really bad, but in the moment, but on reflection, obviously for him, that was a big deal. And he was worried about that. Little did he know. And then little did he know, I literally said to him, Oh, sunshine. <laughs> Listen, you good boy. I said, we need more than four. Cause at this point, we yeah. sat there for four hours. I was yeah. like, we need a day to let yeah. you know what my life is like. And yeah. I was like, just I was reassuring, obviously, like, I'm not judging you. If yeah. that was my, if your life was my yeah. life, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> um, but like, it's crazy how, and that did change my perspective on stuff because people's own experiences, mm. like everyone has their, like, views their own trauma in a different mm. way. If you've never mm. experienced trauma, something that, I might view as really small, yeah. might be huge to someone else because yeah. that by me there might be their first insight to trauma or yeah. something tough, and that's what I've had to uh, really be understanding with yeah. because it's very rare to go through probably the amount I have yeah. over the last twenty seven years. Mm. But I need to be understanding where, like I said, that could be someone's first insight to yeah. trauma. So that's a big one. Um, and and yeah, like people say to me this year. Oh, have you got through it? I'm like, yeah. oh, trust well. me, this is like 2%. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it is, it is all about perspective. Um, like I said, like I've, gosh, yeah, I thought about this day for a long time and I've never been strong enough to do it. But like, I knew what I wanted out of this story was to help somebody else. Yeah. And I want like any, not even just kids, but I want anyone that could be in my position, whether that the age I am now or older or, people younger who are maybe going through something like this to see that there is hope like and that I felt guilt okay so I've carried so much guilt over the last few years because I knew I was holding back something that could help somebody else Mm -hmm. when I was younger I knew I never had anyone like me I didn't know anyone else going through it I was the weird one I never had someone successful that's gone knowing someone successful that had gone through what I had to know there was hope and I've carried the guilt of 
keeping this story because there's kids out there that need to hear it. Yeah. They think that they're not going to make it. There's no hope for them because of where they're from or what they're going through. But there is because that was me. And I was the one that got myself out of that. I made decisions based on what I wanted my future to look like. And there's hope. And that's the biggest thing. And that's what I kept kept holding on to. Um, But that's why I think self-belief, like I've mentioned before, is so important. Because if I didn't have that self-belief, my future would be completely different. Like people can create a platform for you and a safe space, but it's all down to you, how you make them. Yeah. You're in complete control of it. And you can be presented with opportunities, but it's how you, it's how you uh, take them in the day. Mm. 100%. Before we finish, Mm. uh, I want to say that when you touched on what you're most proud of Mm. surviving, um, I'm a, very proud of you for that too mm. but b i'm very proud of you for thriving now and i know it can be hard it's hard to be proud of yourself mm. and we know that this is yeah, very hard very bad mm. and it's something that i've tried to be really big with you on as well mm. because it's it's hard to look at what you've done and to be proud of it because it can it can come across as arrogant mm. it can come across as like well you know it's just i'm doing it so mm. she's what it is like but it's so, so important to stop, reflect. And I, I mm. thought this before I even knew any of that. Mm. And I've been saying this to you about injuries and mm. but your endo and everything. Like, stop, look at how far you've come. Mm. Yeah. But even more so now, stop, mm. <laughs> look at how far you've come. I think my issue is because I'm constantly chasing for what's next because I know it's like not having anything at all. Yeah. And I put this pressure on myself where I needed to keep achieving because I was... So I had a fear of being the result of my upbringing. Yeah. I had a fear of being where everyone else thought I was going to be. I was going to be the consequence of a shitty life. Yeah. And, I, and I've and i had that fear and I've carried that fear my entire life, which is why I did the opposite and continue to try and be the opposite and create a future that is not what everyone thought of. So mm. I think that's why I'm so bad at being proud of myself because... I'm constantly looking for what's next because I'm like, mm. I can't settle because mm. I need to keep achieving because I, you know, I, I deserve to keep keep going and, and not be that person that everyone thought I was going to be, you know? Yeah. Mm. But um, like I said, this year has been massive for me in acceptance. Like, like I said, this is the scariest thing I've ever done, mm. but I'm so ready to let go of it. And, and I want, there's so much I want to do and so much I want to help so many people, but I've never been able to do it because I've never shared this story before mm-hmm. um and i want to be a support for for kids like me but yeah. again i've never been able to and i've prevented that because i wasn't ready to do it yeah i wasn't ready to share my story and now i have i feel like i can now there's a big chunk of my life that i can now achieve because i've now had the strength to let Get go rid of it yeah mm. nice Should we do the book <laughs> let's do the book right then your question oh my mm. goodness that is very slanty writing <laughs> Do you, if you actually know what this says, then... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> right, okay. What would be... Okay, I've got it. What would be the one thing that you would change in your life and why? Um, to be honest, there isn't much I would change because um, my past has made me the person I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, the trauma has taught me a lot, taught me really important lessons. It's created... Um, and and develop the values that I've got now, uh, and I'm pr- and I'm proud of the value. Like I'm proud of that person now. Like um, I am who I am because of what I've been through, uh, and it makes me appreciate people and life in a different way because I know what it's like to not have anything and not have anyone. 
so it's funny how you wouldn't, I it's funny how I've been through all that, but not would not change it because it's created, got me to where I am now. But I think the only thing I would probably change is, is probably bring back the people that aren't here anymore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. I've mm. never thought of it like that actually. Mm. Yeah. And a fun one. Okay. <laughs> what is your favourite movie? Oh gosh. Um, Harry Potter. Don't know why I had to pretend to think <laughs> oh, about gosh. that. Oh gosh. Harry Potter one, two, Harry three, Potter. <laughs> I literally binged that. I could tell you the whole, all of the films, word for word. Literally love it. Um, you still have the PlayStation game as well. We yeah, play PlayStation it. game. Yeah. Yeah, all the DVDs, all the videos. I watched it on the plane. Got two one from back from Dubai. <laughs> you got a favourite quote from Harry Potter? Um, oh, you put me on the spot now. Um, Leviosa. Yeah, <laughs> well, to be fair, we used to play in primary school. Kate was obviously Hermione. What if I directed the school and you played Ron? Yeah, I'm Ron. Why am I Ron? I'm not Ginger. <laughs> Kate was Hermione. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> you always played the boy character. That's so hard. Character. I was such a tomboy in school. Like, oh, I was the boy. Well, no, Kate would just give me the crappy characters all the time. No, but you were the yeah, and you were the daredevil. Like I'd make you jump out of a tree first, and then I'd, I'd try check everything it first. Remember that time you made me? We tied a skipping rope over oh, to a plastic chair, <laughs> and he like uh, what do you call Up-sailed it? Upside down, down, down wall. the wall with a skipping rope attached to a plastic chair. I'd so have to try it first. Seven yeah, foot drop. Yeah. Um, but, but we're here. And yeah. Thank <laughs> you so much, Kate, for for being my emotional support, oh, uh, which you've been my entire life. To be fair. Mm. Oh no. Um, I just think you should be so proud of yourself and yeah, I'm just in awe of you for doing this and yeah, keep chasing your dreams. You're amazing. It's to the next 27 years. <laughs> well, no. Bloody hell. You're in the seat. But yeah, just to finish, like I, like I said, I created this podcast around the vision and like I told myself, if you get to a point and you're brave enough to do it, then you can be episode 10 and, like mm. I built that conference each episode where I was like speaking with people who were also being vulnerable and I got to a stage and I can remember speaking to you in North Wales mm. being like okay just to let you know I'm episode 10 and you were like so, what? Like, no, I didn't see it like that I was like alright then um, can I know why uh, what? No <laughs> okay <laughs> I just wanted like the response to be authentic as authentic response. as possible yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want it to be scripted and I didn't yeah. want even though I got a piece of paper full of notes I haven't yeah. even looked at <laughs> hey, writing it down is good to start <laughs> yeah, off I with. just wanted yeah I just wanted that not kind of natural response like you would with everybody else yeah. Um, and yeah thanks for being open and giving me this opportunity to well no thank you <laughs> thank you for sharing and I just want you to know how much I appreciate you thank you because I really really do <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I feel very grateful to be in your your passionate bubble. You are. Um, You're locked in. I'm locked in. <laughs> Tried to kick her out last week. She's sitting back um, in. Yeah, but um, no, seriously. Yeah. Um, well, there's not I, many people in my trusted circle. Yeah. There's a reason why my circle is very small. Yeah. <laughs> For now, you know why. Yeah. But you are, you have graduated to the circle <laughs> get in welcome so can't wait for, can we have a graduation when yeah down? next week in the party <laughs> yeah true, true. Um, um, but yeah we're flipping egg at the end of season 10 at the end what? season 10 season, season, season 10 season 1 um, but yeah thanks you both thank you both for just being with me and accepting me for me thank you for saying mm-hmm. it how it is beyond <laughs> yeah well I had to literally practice yeah. where I preach yeah. really at the end of the day like <laughs> I've said all this I'm wearing this t-shirt and mm. That I had to, yeah, practice what I goddamn preach, eh? Hey. But, um, yeah, all right. All cool. right, then.
Thanks remember. For <sighs> to keep saying it how it is. The end. <laughs> now let me give you a hug. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Please like, follow and subscribe to make sure you stay up to date and say it how it is. And don't forget to share these conversations with the people you think it may help the most. You'll find all of ours and our guest social media handles linked in the show notes below. We can't wait to see you all next week. And remember to keep saying it how it is.